1: And good to go. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number seventy-one. I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm uh, I'm pretty good. I'm coming off of a, of a good
3: Christmas period where I picked me up a nice little Islanders blue jersey. Good old Reebok. It's a newer edition, but it's got no name on it. And I've I've dubbed it my podcasting jersey. Actually, my wife dubbed it the podcasting jersey. So thanks to her.
2: There you go. So shout out to her and you for picking that up. That's that's a cool name too for it. Um, Are you happy now you Scrooge that Christmas is over?
3: (laughs) I'm so happy. It's done. It's done. I don't have to hear about it for another 364 days. That's not true, actually. It's going to be like November when I hear from it again.
2: Yeah, so as I'm sure you all know by now, Mitch is not the biggest Christmas fan. I loved it. I had myself a nice Christmas. It was fun relaxing with the friends and family. So definitely, I enjoyed it. I don't know how much Mitch did, but... I got a lot of gravy. That's all that mattered to me. Hey, Mitch is happy with his gravy. That we know for a fact.
3: It's just I put on some weight... (laughs) As hard as that is to do, my black jeans are no longer fitting me. I have to put a belt on because the, the the zipper comes undone on its own. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's a no bueno situation.
2: So the holiday is clearly hitting Mitch a little hard this year. <laughs> do you have an addition for us here, Mitch?
3: I, I don't. I know someone wore 71. I'm trying to load the page. It's just taking forever. I'm there upset with you. It loaded. There's three people wore it. Dennis Vask... Mark Caddish and Michael DelCole.
2: It has to be the Michael Del Cole edition just because it's very on brand for us.
3: Yeah, it's got to be the MDC edition. So we'll go with, with Michael Dalcole, who has played how many games in the NHL? I'm going to say eight.
2: I, don't, I think it's six, yeah.
3: Six with a minus two rating, uh, 11 minutes of ice time on average, 71 total minutes ice time, and nothing going. Two shots. Two <laughs> oh. shots. Um to be fair, the second time around wasn't really his fault. He played twice. He actually he played less now than he did last year, which, which is surprising.
2: I was going to say you took the words out of my mouth. That's a shock, honestly. I know it's possible yeah. to do that.
3: Um although there's still more more hockey to be played this year, um but he didn't really get the best the best situation. He was not given the best um how do you say line mates to perform adequately.
2: No, no, absolutely
3: not. So that's kind of not on him. Although we'll see. He's killing it in the, in the AHL. Just absolutely killing it right now. Um, but NHL, not so much.
2: Right. And we will get to him on this show. So it is a fitting that we it is the Michael Dell Cole edition. But first we have to start with Devin Tays, who made his NHL debut this past week, Mitch. And it was a pretty impressive one, if I might say so myself.
3: Heck, yeah, it was. Didn't Barry Trott say he was the best defender out there for the Islanders?
2: That sounds right. That sounds like what he was talking about in the post game show because he was very uh, happy with his play in the game and he really didn't make any mistakes. Like, there wasn't anything glaring where he's like, ah, that looks bad. I thought it was a relatively quiet game, which I guess for a defenseman is probably a better thing. But he looked comfortable out there. He didn't look out of place, which is exactly what you want from someone in their NHL debut. Well,
3: and so that's what we said. In our podcast last week, when we we're trying to set out expectations for my, uh, for uh, Devon I got MDC on the brain, um, and we're saying not nothing huge. If he puts up a point, ah, amazing. If he puts up a goal, even better. Um, but for him, it's going to be looking like he fits, looking comfortable. And and not being a net negative, being a net positive on the ice, and he did all of those things. He was comfortable, like you said. He didn't look out of place, just like you said. And he was a net positive, like he he turned that third pairing into an option. I brought it up in in the post game. So again, we have a Patreon. If you're not aware, go check out our Patreon where we put up a post game pose or a podcast after every single New York Islanders game. So right fresh, right after an Islanders game, we get on the horn. We dish it out, and and on that show, the most recent one where uh, Devin Tace played, there is one play that I I keep focusing on. It was a simple, dumb, dumb play, and it was, maybe not dumb is the right word, but it's just a simple play, and I'm saying dumb because it's it's basically mindless. The puck's coming around the boards, so from the other side to his side on the left, and he's getting intercepted by, um, what was it? God, I forget already who they played against. Was it Dallas?
2: Yeah, it was Dallas
3: against the Dallas Stars. He, whoever Ford has come to to meet him, and what what Taze does instead of holding the puck and trying to find a better option, is he just chips it over that that player's stick and out of the zone? That's all that matters. That's all he needs to do is just get get it out of the blue line, Pass the blue line into the neutral zone. Done. They got a touch up for uh, offsides anyways, so we're good. That's all he needs to do, and that's exactly what he did. And all he needed to and all he did to do that was just pop put a stick on it just enough to to deflect the puck over the attacker's stick and into the neutral zone done it's such an easy play to do but he's the only guy who seems to do it it is just perfect
0: it's so perfect
2: yeah it was very like you said i don't i think maybe like simple or a common sense play i guess yes yeah,
3: i think that's I, it, a good way to describe it simple yeah dum dum wasn't a thing it was just dum dum is in so much as it was so it should be so rote and, and, and routine for these players that it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't register. Most of them, they always take the harder choice or is he just, oh, I'm going to do this. It was so like, yes, this is what we've needed for so long.
2: Yeah. Just get it out of the zone. And that's exactly what he did. And like Barry Trotz said, he was comfortable out there. And what really showed to me that Barry Trotz has faith in him was the amount of power play time he got from the jump. Like there were games this year where Matthew Barzell got four seconds of power play time. Let's think about that for a second. And <laughs> that, Devante's got true. like a minute forty on the power play or something close to that. And, and some people are going to say like you're you're being like you're exaggerating
3: to to make a dramatic point. You're not. He literally got four seconds of ice time on the
2: power play one game. Yeah, I remember it quite well. I was very upset when it happened. Yeah. To
3: be fair, like there was only the one power play. I think that game and wasn't it only like thirty seconds long because Cal Clutterbuck took a stupid slashing penalty?
2: That seems about right. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and that seems on point. Uh, very even on then, brand. To do, even then, he didn't start on the power play. He didn't. He wasn't the first guy over the boards on the power play. Not to which your is point. how it should be. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <And> it wasn't. <laughs> it's so so silly that it wasn't. Although we're we're here now, and it is.
2: So, yeah, thank God. But it <laughs> again, it, it, it's fitting that he is on the power play because he is kind of like Nick Letty in the sense that he is a very good skater, left-handed defense. And I feel like they both should be on the power play, but definitely split them up because they they are too similar player to have on the same unit. I one hundred
3: percent agree with that. They're way too similar. They bring the exact same thing to the game. Split them up, and then you have. Two equally powerful weapons on both power plays, like I, that, that seems like a perfect. And then you could even just split up Johnny Boychuk and Ryan Pulak, and and you have your lefty righty mix for both power plays. It's just so easy. I'm just waving my hands maniacally, like just like a maniac. Like this sounds so easy.
2: Yeah, yeah. On paper, it sounds easy. To, and to You're us. right. It sounds easy. Uh, I do like the idea though of spreading them out, and I would love to put Taze and Pulak together on the power play because that, that's the future and that's an exciting one because they're both 24-year-old defensemen. But I overall, I'm happy with what I saw from him and I know it might sound like a stretch already, but from what I did see, I absolutely believe that he has to stay when everyone gets healthy. I think he has to.
3: We're, yeah. So, you have to get rid of Lucas Pisa. You have to. I'm sure he's a, he's a fine professional, and he's probably teaching these kids something, at least from a professional level, how to play the game professionally. Maybe not skill-wise, but, you know, some of those more intangible skills, some of those off-the-ice things on how to conduct yourself as a professional. Sure, he's probably great for that. But you got other
2: guys in the lineup that can do that, I'm sure. Johnny Boychuck and Nick Letty could do that. They're both veterans at this point. Yeah, exactly. Peaky. One's got a ring so
3: both have a ring does yeah that's right letty's got one from the blackhawks so mm-hmm. like why what why 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 do you need spisa around to fill up numbers you don't need to fill up numbers if you can fill up numbers with talent like you say you always say it i'm gonna let you say it i want to take your thunder
2: what what's my what's what do i always say
3: you win with good hockey players <laughs> good hockey players win games
2: oh okay well okay that is something that sounds like a, i say a lot of things mitch that's like that's like going up to like the dictionary and be like oh give me the thing you always say
0: give There's me that word like,
2: that you have <laughs> i say a lot of things but yes that is one of my things you win games with good hockey players there it is um i thought you i don't know never put veterans or aging veterans in over promising youth that's something else that i say so i don't know if you were trying to go there too but Both are applicable, but no. Uh, although, like I said, both are
3: applicable. In this case, yeah, you, you, I don't see him leaving. Hickey stays. Hickey's got to stay, right? Of course. So, uh, uh, on the count of three, who's our, our man out then? We're assuming spiza has gone. Who's because the man out? Him. Yeah, you would wave him and hopefully someone picks him up to take up that $1.5 million deal. Um, probably not. He probably ends up in the AHL, which is absolutely fine because you know what? Then you can teach guys like Aho, You can teach guys like Van de Sample, like Parker Wortherspoon what to do. So then who's the seventh man? If, if Devin Tate steps in on three, both at the same time, hopefully the internet cooperates one,
2: two, three, Adam, Adam Pellick. Yes. Of course. Absolutely. No, in the, he is. The epitome of a seventh defenseman and i don't i don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing to him i think he is just a role player and i think he would be a very good seventh D man that you rotate in and have him play 20 to 30 games on the year something like that i really like mayfield in the lineup every day i know that would probably be the other guy that some people would say but i like him as your third pairing uh Defenseman, but I definitely think you have to have Hickey in there. He's been too good this year. Taze has to be in there. Letty's obviously the other lefty, and then righties are going to go Pulak, Boychuk, and Mayfield.
3: Yeah, 100, 100%. You can't. I, I don't understand people who don't want Mayfield. I understand he sometimes he has a bad play, but you know what? They all got it in him. Uh, it's just his defensive abilities and his offensive upside for what he brings. Look, he, what is he on pace for this year? I, I want to say that he's he's Travis Hammond. Like again, he's the same type of player. He's just bigger, um, but he gives you the physical aspect, and he can give you a, 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 a offensive upside. What Hammond was best year was what thirty three points. I'm gonna say. I think so.
2: I, I think Hammond was probably a little bit of a better player, but I think they're pretty close. I might give you that he's the poor man's uh, to, uh, Travis Hemanek. But what
3: would make Travis Hamanick a better player then? It's not like he's giving you more offense. Like, Hamanick's got nine points this year. Yeah, his best year was 33 points back in 2014-15. Uh, what was Hamanick doing that was better? Was, was it just his gap control? This, to me, like, Hamanick was just as bad. He would pinch when he didn't need to sometimes. He'd make that that dumb mistake in, in going into the offense when he probably shouldn't. Um and he maybe was being too physical, which would get him into penalty trouble. Uh, well, He'd always get hurt every year. Like, that was a thing. Um, he's never completed. a. Full, he, the only full year he completed was a lockout year where he played 48 games. Other than that,
2: no. Well, it's Scott Mayfield's career high in points, like 24?
3: Well, sure. But Scott Mayfield has uh, how many years in the a- NHL, right? So, Le- uh, Hamannick right now is playing in his uh, ninth year of the NHL. Where Scott Mayfield... And Hammonick is also 28 years old. Scott Mayfield is... Come on, internet. Let me hit enter. Maybe that'll help. 26. No, There you go. You're faster than I am. So he's got two years. He's got how many years of NHL experience?
2: Probably three? Yeah, I'm not going to count six games in 15-16 and then Mm -hmm. five games in 13-14.
3: And I think his best year is going to be this one if if you figure on pace.
2: He already has more points than last year. He has... 13 points in 33 games
3: so that's pretty darn good he's putting up a third a third of a point almost every game
2: yeah a little bit more than that right
3: yeah so when you figure that again I don't have my phone on me so I can't do the math unless I bring up my calculator here which I don't feel like doing but I'm going to do
2: it anyways um so we go it's 32 over an 82 game
3: that's Travis Hemenick
2: that's Travis I, guess, I don't know I like in terms Travis of production Hemenick better I don't know
3: I'm not trying to say that Travis Hamanick was bad. I'm just saying you got a guy who could be as good as Travis Hamanick. And, and maybe there, there's something else there that I'm not seeing that Travis Hamanick did better. And maybe someone who's listening is is screaming it out right now. Like, he did this better, you fool. Uh, and you're probably right. But tell me. Tell me what it is. Because I, what I'm seeing right now is it looks like a Travis Hamanick in the making. We got the a, a guy who's got the blueprint for Travis Hamanick type of career. Uh, without the injuries.
2: He did beat the crap out of Kenny Malkin in the playoffs.
3: Yeah. So (laughs) he did that. But Malkin, (laughs) uh, not Malkin, but Mayfield can beat the crap out of a lot of people. No, you're, you're right. and, and, and again, it's, it's not an idea of that I have to lessen. It's not a zero-sum game where if I, if I equate Mayfield to him, that brings him down a bit, like it's taking some Travis Hamanick stock away from Travis Hamanick. Hamanick is still up there. He's still a great top-four defenseman. I just think that Mayfield can get to that level. So it's not saying that Mayfield is bad or Mayfield is less, it's that or sorry, that, that Hamanick is less or Hamanick is bad. It's that Mayfield can rise up to that level.
2: I hope so. I hope he gets to that level because then the eye on there is defense. I, would think I don't want to use the word elite, but they would be a very good defense.
3: They would be complete, I would say. Yeah, I, right? Because like they have all the roles filled. Exactly. And, and cheap. <laughs> His cap is $1.45 million a year for three or four years left. It's still a while to go. I think it's four. I think he's got four years left because he's on a five-year deal. You lock that up. That That's a... Look, Travis Hammond had got what he got in terms of a trade because of his cap hit. His abilities helped, obviously, but like you you're trading away that 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 ability at that cap hit. Oh, and then you're you're this is half. This is half of that cap hit.
2: You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. And listen, the the point here being is that Devin Tays, looping it back to him was just call. fine in his debut it looks like he can very well be a mainstay in this lineup and he should in our eyes the rest of the way fair enough
3: absolutely 100 percent. you're not going to get a peep of disagreement out of me all right
2: want to get some mdc action going since it is his edition yeah yeah. so michael Dell cole has been absolutely on fire lately mitch yeah, he's
3: just killing it. It's 25 points in 26 games right now for the AHL Sound Tigers. Um, I think particularly, I want to check out his form. Yeah, he's got seven goals, seven goals in his last five games. Right? One,
2: two, three, four, five. Yes. That's insane. It is. He, I use the phrase that he is single-handedly rewriting his script as a prospect, I think. It took him long enough, but you're absolutely right he is. Because the rhetoric was that he was a complete bust, and I was there beating the drum with the rest of everyone. I'll admit it. Hand up. He has been better, but my caveat is, and this is where we can get into whether it be a debate or if you agree with me, it'll just be a conversation why why we believe this, but I think the Islanders would be better off trading him because I think you get more value from him in a trade than keeping him around, especially when you consider the amount of left-wingers on this roster and in the pipeline.
3: Yeah. Um, I I disagree with you in a bit just because I like the idea of keeping valuable uh, prospects, especially when they're starting to pan out because you don't quite know what he is yet. We have three years of he hasn't been very good. right? His best year was his full for his first full one in the AHL where he put up forty one points. He put he's he already has more points this year than he had last year. Let's just put it that way. That's how bad he was last season.
2: My counter argument would be that his value is at his highest now. Could it
3: not go higher if he then like Lou gives him that two year seven hundred thousand dollar deal and says, Show me what you are. What are you really? This is gonna tell me what you actually are. And maybe he plays one more year in the A, and it's like a two-way deal or something like that. I, I don't know how how the contracts could work necessarily. Um, but he gives him that, that, that Devin Taves
2: treatment. Well, the issue is that right now, you already have your four left-wingers locked in for next year. Anders right. Lee's going to be back. Yep. You have Beauvillier. He's a future piece. So that's two guys who are going to be here long-term. Yep. You also have... Uh Matt Martin on the fourth line. So he's Peace, gonna be yeah. here well, next year. Yep. Yeah. And you can't forget about Andrew Ladd, who's gonna be here until the castle <laughs> until
3: the, the apocalypse, until the world comes to an end. His contract is so long. Um so okay, I, I still don't like the idea of trading, but let's entertain that thought. What are you gonna get? What's your first your first like
2: I don't know, you what's your shopping list? What am I trying to get? Well, I'm yeah. not. It's not just gonna be like him straight up for someone. He is a piece in the puzzle to acquiring it. But okay, I think the biggest need of this team is a true second line center.
3: Right. I I fully agree. I, my what I wanted to get out of that is: Are you trading him as a package, or is he on his own worth something? Because even then, like Nick Suzuki, although he put up hundred points in the OHL. Um, was a bit player for Max Pacioretty. Sure, so I like they're they're still gonna have to toss in like him and Anthony Bovilla will say, plus a pick for someone who might fill that second line center role.
2: I, I I I know what you're what you're trying to say, but I think my case would be that he's no longer just a throw in. He's like he can okay. be a part of a legitimate deal. It's not like. I will give you a first, bellows, ho sang, and oh, yeah, I guess you could have that cold too. So I think he is a
3: throw in for now, and it's going to get me into a clarification that we can get, that we, we should talk about is he's a toss in until he does anything at the NHL level, I think. Because you're still trading away a commodity that you don't know what it can do at the big level, which is what they all care about. What can you do at the NHL level? Some teams like the Detroit Red Wings will say, don't worry. We, we, can, we can pull it out of you. And some other teams will obviously think the same thing. Uh, but, but until he gets there, he's still an unknown quantity. So what I'm trying to get to is, do you think he gets another shot this year to show what he can do at the NHL level?
2: Probably not, unless someone else is traded and an opportunity opens up. I think it's a crowded forward group with a lot of okay players.
3: Yeah, I, that, that's the that's the thing that concerns me is I don't think he's going to get another shot, so I don't think we get an, a full valuation on him where we don't get the proper return because we get AHL payout and we don't get NHL payout.
0: Well,
2: I when it comes to prospects, I think part of the lure of them is that you don't know what they are at the NHL level. Like they are what you want them to be. I know that's like so like. Philosophy, like a philosophy kind of thing to say and kind of super lame but the you're trading for the potential i guess is the point that i'm trying to make right so whatever gm you deal with who you're giving up you're saying this is what he's doing in the AHL right now we don't have a roster spot for him you do you can get value out of him
3: right and you we have
2: something you have something we want and you
3: and vice versa <sighs> I don't know, man. Obviously, though, if you toss him in with say a Jordan Eberle, now
2: you're cooking. Now you're cooking. What well, Eberle and Dal Cole in a trade? Yeah. Well, yeah, then then maybe that can land you a middle six forward.
3: Yeah, or second line center. Ottawa might be looking at that, going, "Yeah, I might, I might like me some of that." Toss in your first round pick because we don't have ours stupidly enough. And maybe maybe you can have use some Matt Duchesne. It might even, it might not even come to that because now we're dealing with unrestricted for your agents in, in Eberle and in
2: Duchesne. Yeah, so it's like an even swap and then you give them a prospect too.
3: Maybe, yeah. And it might not even come to Dal Cole. And maybe it does. If Dal Cole sweetens the, the, the pot and we know we're getting Duchesne for six years, you know, that's fine with me-ish. I'm still, I'm still on the fence with Duchesne. I'm still on the fence.
2: I know. I know, he's a bad guy. You can't stand him.
3: Except for what he does on the ice. I can't deny what he does on the ice. Like, he's got, what, 40 points in 36 games or something
2: stupid like that right now? If that video of them in the Uber never came out, would you feel this way? Probably not, because that was two strikes.
3: I know know it's three strikes and you're out, but... That that was the second strike. Whereas, like they, he left Colorado, and immediately it's like the rise of the Phoenix from the ashes, and they're at the top of the NHL. Sort of, they're pretty darn close.
2: I, just, I don't, I don't know if that there's a correlation there. I really don't. I can't get in on that. It's just uh, addition through subtraction.
3: Mm. I
2: there's hate something to it. I really look.
3: They didn't add anything to their team this year. Like they they they, they brought in a bunch of prospects. They didn't add any NHL ready players in that trade. So it's not like they brought in someone else and it just changed the dynamic. They lost a the guy who clearly wasn't good in the locker room and the Moby Matt was his name, I believe. I'm making that up, but like it just sounds right. Alliteration's a good thing. Um and he as soon as they left, poof. He wanted to go to a contender. Look what happened. They made the playoffs that year. Now they're ridiculous this year. Like, But then again, he has 36 points in 31 games. He's on pace for a career year.
2: Wouldn't it be <sighs> ironic, too, if it so happened to be Barzal and Duchesne as your top six centers? <laughs> because for, for so long, everyone's like, oh, let's trade Barzal for Duchesne and have it Tavares and Duchesne, and then now it's Barzal and Duchesne, who was taking just two picks after John Tavares. That would be kind of ironic. That would be ironic. That would be fun. Um,
3: I don't know, man. And, and maybe he's a better teammate when he's in a better situation. He gets to come to New York, which is a huge thing for some players. Well, I know it's not Manhattan per se, but it's still pretty darn close. Yeah,
2: it's a 25-minute train ride right away. And also, wouldn't you think that if anyone can keep him on the straight and narrow, it would be Lou Lamoriello and Barry Trotz?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And they, they'd pay him. They'd pay him his, what, $8 million he'll probably make?
2: Eight to nine, I'd say. I'd give him like six years, $8 million, I think.
3: Yeah, because he's already making six. So we know he can't make that. Not that he can't, but he won't be making less than that, especially in a career year. Um, you know, Dink is in a UFA year. Um, but... I don't know. Getting back to Michael Duckhole, I'm not sure if I want to trade him just yet just cuz I'm not I'm not sure I know what he is. I'm not sure. Is he just peaking now or or is this just the tip of the iceberg? Is he just figuring himself out? I don't know what to do with him because even, I don't know what he is yet.
2: Okay, even if he is for real, let's say that he for he's going to be a 40 to 50 point player in the NHL.
3: At, okay, okay, I was going to say like at the end, at this rate in the AHL, he's on pace for like a 60 point season.
2: Right, but let's say 40 to 50 in the NHL. Okay. Where is he playing? They don't have a room for him. but You you're definitely are re-signing Anders Lee. You're not going to give him the captain and let him walk. Anthony Movilier is still going to be around. Andrew Ladd is here for the next four years after this. And then you have, you're have you not going to put him on the fourth line. and You have Matt Martin, Leo Komarov, and all those guys to go in.
3: Well, first off with Andrew Ladd, there's room that can be made with him because so you can trade him, not this year, but next year because he's only got a 15-team tra- no trade list. <laughs> Only it's half
2: the league, um, but there's still the other half of the league where he can be traded to. I thought it was another year of a modified no trade, so uh, uh, that that is what it, isn't no trade clause is I guess.
3: Yeah, his modified no trade is he's the last four years of his deal are modified no trade or last three years because the first four are um, straight up no trade and then it's no move. And then it goes to modified no trade or flip the no move, no trade, I think.
2: Yeah. So this year's a no trade clause and next year's a no trade clause.
3: Okay. Shucks to that then. Okay. He stays. Dang it. Right. Unless he waves it. Right. Right. Hmm. Unless you go by
2: my plan, which some people liked. Other people did not like.
3: I like the idea of not having Andrew Ladd anymore. Um Sorry, I, I, I would be okay with Andrew Ladd if he's making, let's say, three to four million dollars a year, not five and a half. But it's neither here nor there. Would um, you give he, him the
2: Matt Molson treatment?
3: Yeah, why not? Right? At this point, you don't have to. But if he comes back and he starts playing like the garbage, yeah, why not?
2: I think you got to do something. You can't just keep riding him out there every night, especially when he's taking up roster spots away from guys like Michael Dalcole who's thriving in the AHL.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. You're not going to go beneath the floor, so who cares? And even then, I'm sure, I'm sure Lou and his cap guys can work something out. True. Like, I you have to. You 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 can't have him on the roster for five and a half million dollars if he's going to give you like I don't know, thirty points. You you can't do it can't do it unless you don't have someone who can step in and give you more than 30 points.
2: It's very true, but I'm afraid they're going to ride this out for a while.
3: Yeah, well, they're going to have to. So, Ugh. Either way, coming back to Michael DelCole, I'm still not sure about him. I'm loving every minute of it because it's making you eat his words or your own words. And, and, and Gus, is it Gus? Gus Cole. Is love. He's got to be waiting to unblock you just to kind of like rub it in your face. Like here I am rubbing the camera. I can't I can't wait for that day where he like unblocks you. Oh
2: all gonna right, I'm gonna keep my, I'll keep my eye out for Gust colon in the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I assume he's forgotten all about us. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Mitch. I wanna get into some expectations at this point in the year and going yeah,
3: forward.
2: Absolutely. So, so the Islanders are I would definitely say exceeding our expectations up until this point at the Christmas break, they are very much alive in the playoff mix. As they are a couple points behind in the Metro, and I believe four points out of a wild card spot. Three, three points, points.
3: yeah. Montreal's got forty three points in the last wild card spot, and the Islanders have two games in hand on them. Okay, so but I, like you said, there's they're two points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins with a point in hand, a uh, game in hand.
2: Right, so they're eventually going to have to make those games will be made up. Um, I truly think my expectations for the rest of this year now, for 2019, is that they will be competitive and very much in the mix in both the division, and not necessarily for the the top of the division, but one of those three slots in the division, and the wild card.
3: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. My expectation is playoffs. I, I don't expect him to make the playoffs. I expect him to be competitive enough where they st- they, they're they they're in the mix, where if they're like three points off by the end, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. A lot of teams wouldn't be, but I I would be absolutely fine with just outside of the playoff. They, they just missed it. But I, I think they're
2: actually going to make it. I, I really believe that this team is going to make it. Right. Like even if late March or early April, whenever the season is, ends this year, wouldn't it be great if there's meaningful hockey in late March and early April, unlike last year when you knew the wheels were falling off by then?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to care. I'm still going to watch them. It doesn't matter. Uh, I know a lot of people don't, and they start tuning out. But I, I watch every single game all the way through. Uh, I don't have any inclination to change the channel, even when it's uh, you know, a demolition derby out there. Um, but yeah, I want meaningful hockey in March, of course.
2: And I want meaningful mar- hockey in June, but that's the ultimate goal and i think it'd be a fantastic first step. If if they overachieve this year, let's say make the playoffs and then get bounced in four games. I think you still have to walk away saying the season was a success because they had no business being there. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I I would be I'd be really surprised if someone said that oh this was a failed season they didn't they didn't win the first round. What? What planet are you from? They weren't supposed to be outside of the basement. They were supposed to be in the basement with the door locked and like four boards nailed to the wall to make sure no one gets out because no one wanted to see the ghastly Islanders stink up the league. No, yeah, that they were was supposed
2: to be bottom five of the league.
3: Yeah, and listen, we're not saying this facetiously. We thought the same thing.
2: Yeah, I absolutely thought they'd be fighting for uh, a lottery pick. I really did. Yeah and and now
3: look, I, a lot like i said a lot of teams or a lot of fan bases would be mad if their team finished you know in that that middle where they have like a really bad lottery pick and they're not making the playoffs so they're not winning anything necessarily i would be perfectly fine with that i would be absolutely okay with that in year 1 for sure
2: right and then at that point then next year has to be okay it's a playoff mandate you got to make the playoffs this year
3: that's right. The idea is to build upon it, and we we thought the same thing was supposed to happen when John Ledecky was talking about um, after that that first year, uh, that that the first playoff win in 23 years. You're like the idea is to build from here, and you were seeing you were seeing it before that, where they weren't in, they made the playoffs, now they won a round, and the next year was like, okay, now you're supposed to win two rounds. That's the expectation, but they never did that because well, they're run by Gar Snow, so that never really happened, and Doug Waite was behind the bench, so that. Wasn't helpful either, right? Um, but but they got real competent people now making decisions, so that helps,
2: right? So hopefully it is a very quick turnaround. Which I think that even if they make the playoffs this year, and like we said, they get bounced early in in ugly fashion, four or five games, it still has to be considered successful because the yes, you move the goalposts as the seasons go along, like that's just naturally what happens, but. I, before the year started, like you said, I think I predicted them for 78 points this year or something like that.
3: <laughs> They're well on pace to to beat that. What are they on pace for as of right now? Do we know? Uh, 40 points. I don't have my calculator open. You're making me do some math here. I'm sorry. Um, that's fine. They're at 40 points in 35 games. They're on pace for 94 points.
2: Hey, that's pretty good. That's just about playoffs. That's just about that where that playoff
3: line is. Where it's it could be that it could be ninety five points, it could be ninety four points that you need to get in. Technically speaking, um, maybe not technically, but at least. And you know they could they could do well. They could do above that. Who knows? It's just. I think, like you said, we're looking for that baseline. Where is this team on base? And uh, you know, where is the starting point? And then we're going to build upon that year after year. And so far, it seems like. What they had, sans Tavares, was a playoff team. Yeah. So, well, it, that's it, not true because they, they still brought in some like third and fourth liners.
2: They did bring in a million third and fourth liners, but it seems to be working right now. Yeah. So, like, mm,
3: yeah. So much for that.
2: All right, so do you want to get into some of the highs and lows of the season now so far as we look back in the – not actually the first half because you're not halfway through yet, but the Christmas break kind of reminds me of the halfway point of the season where you get to sit back and take a breather for a little bit.
3: Yeah, it feels like a more natural break. I I know the halfway point is technically or usually around the – the all star break, but that's still like only a two day break, maybe three. Like this is a good three to four day break, it feels like. So like there's more time to reflect. Um my favorite moment of the season was probably Casey Zika's goal at the Coliseum. The first game back, that goal. Oh
2: that's a really good one. That is a really good one. Um for me for my best I'm gonna go Robin Leonard's first win cause I feel like that was really emotional for, for him cause we knew the story just came out and he was very very good in that his debut as a New York Islander so that's gonna be my favorite moment um, both I mean we were there for the Sazekas goal that was absolutely nuts um, definitely the smile
3: the, afterwards when he's speaking to Shannon
2: yeah, I can't even from, do it justice grinning from ear to ear like the Grinch Yes. Quite. When he does that big smile, <laughs> everything
3: unravels because he's so happy about his devious plan to destroy people when they come play at the Coliseum. I mean, <laughs> when he steals Christmas,
2: same difference. Same thing. Uh how about now for worst uh, worst moments?
3: The worst moment of the season. Oh God. Um. Anytime Matthew Barzal goes down with a, with with a potential injury, maybe. Um, there hasn't been a lot of negative, really. Do you have one?
2: Uh, I would say... Oh God, it's embarrassing that I can't remember who they were playing. But they were the game they were up to nothing ended up losing.
3: They were up to nothing and ended up losing. Was that recently?
2: I feel like it was semi-recently. Was it against Detroit?
3: <gasps> was it? I believe it was. The second was. time?
2: Because they beat them once, and then the second, I feel like it was the next time they played them. I could be just completely spewing nonsense right now, I'm getting laughed out of the building, but.
3: <laughs> I forget what. I, I know who you're talking about. Sorry. I, I now have you made me think of, of what my worst moment was. It was that goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The game was tied 2 2. There was like a buck and a half left in the third period. Faceoff is happening in the Islander zone, and it's Brock, Bailey, and. And Kunhawk out on the ice as the forwards. And they're meeting before the face-off. And they're like, Oh, let's do this cool play, guys. And they're like, Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that cool play. And let's chip the puck out of the zone. And like, Brock will already be out there. We'll all be there. Oh, they're talking to Pulak. And they we'll, we'll win the face off, it'll we'll go to Pulak and he'll get it out of this ice and we'll already be up there and it'll be a great odd man rush. Except that when they did that, Pulak didn't clear the zone. And so all three forwards are outside of the blue line. The puck is still inside the blue line. And Tyler Johnson scores to win the game with like a minute left. Dumbest play I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: Right. And just for good measure, Mitch, I went back and found the game that I was talking about. Yep. It was against the Canadians. They had a 3-1 lead after the first period. right? And they ended up losing 4-3 in a shootout.
3: Yeah, I remember that. That was gross, especially when it's against the Canadians because while Toronto fans are the most insufferable, Habs fans are just behind that. And maybe it's because of where I am, mm-hmm. uh, and I know a lot of Habs fans. One of my good friends is a Habs fan, and when they win over the Islanders, oh my God, the chirps, the chirps never stop.
2: I'm sure it's not much fun. No,
3: although to be fair, I give as much as I receive. <laughs> so whenever Bovili scores against the Habs, it's an endless flood of just memes and gifts it just doesn't <laughs> stop so
2: yeah it's only fair <laughs> good pro quo on that one perfect yeah that seems very on brand for both of you guys to be for being completely honest but that's true i one thing i do have to say though on on this topic the pros seem to far outweigh the cons which is going back to our last topic fantastic and exceeding our wildest dreams for this year
3: Yeah, well, of course, the pros, like, how many Dougie blows do they have? One? Like, one negative Dougie blow, where
2: it's against them. One, maybe? I think so. I can only really recall one time where it was, like, the island when they lost the Rangers 5-0. Yeah. I think that's the only time
3: they've lost by four goals or more this season so far, of course. Um, But you wouldn't picture them to have any more. Like it could obviously because anything can happen, you know. On in March when there there are billion and a half games every day, um, you can see a Duggy blow happening there where they just they just don't have it because they're just dead tired. Um, but other than that, you just don't see it in them. They they just they seem to be in every game, and even if they're not in it, they are at least competent and and making a full sixty minute effort,
2: which is the biggest thing that you could really ask for.
3: Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, we weren't getting that last year, that's for sure.
2: No, you certainly weren't. You absolutely were not. And like again, because I guess now the theme, because this will be the last episode of 2018, is looking to forward to 2019. Got to think that the foundation is here and this team is going in the right direction, which is great.
3: Yeah, and again, it's year one. That's the best part, is that it's year one of this. But they they signed Trotz for, what, four to five years, I'm pretty sure? It's at least four. I'm just not sure if it's five.
2: I thought it was five.
3: So let's say it's that. Like, that's – and Lou won't be around for all of that. Like, the guy is 78 now or something like that. Um, But
2: it's just – it feels good to be,
3: again, in the hands of competent
2: people. Yeah, you absolutely have to love so far what Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz have done. And the hype was real. You know, a lot of people were hyping this up. The media loved it. Fans loved it. And so far, they seem to be spot on with this.
3: Yeah, it's it's great to see that the steps are progressively getting better and getting us closer to where we need to be.
2: Absolutely. Want to get into some social segment stuff? Yes, let's do that. All right, so I have one, and I want to pull up the exact tweet now just because I want to read it out because it was perfect. It was from Brendan Burke from Christmas Eve. It was a very festive tweet, and his daughter left out cookies for Santa Claus, a common thing that kids do, and- the tweet says, my daughter was adamant that Santa eat, quote, real food before he was allowed to eat his cookies. And then it's a picture of the cookies. And then there's a note that she wrote. It says, Santa, eat your taco first, then cookies. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and there's a taco next to the cookies, too.
3: Oh, man. I want to be Santa now. Free cookies and tacos? It's perfect. It's that indeed perfect. I love it.
2: So that was mine. What do you got?
3: Uh, my One of them here is from uh, Jonathan McNamara who uh congrats has a new uh, a son uh my son's new uh room is has a pretty sweet addition to the house or sorry i'm trying to like not read it out to give it away anyways inside his son's nursery he's got this huge huge almost life-size i'm gonna say uh, decal of matthew barzal up again on the wall right next to the crib so this kid is gonna grow up having like matthew barzal as its deity. And I wish I can go forward in time so I could be born now. So that could be done because that was not for me.
2: No, that would be absolutely perfect. If we could be growing up along with Matthew Barzell,
3: guiding me along the way. Just keep your legs moving, Mitch. Just keep your legs moving. Pump and cut. Thank
2: you, Matthew Barzell. (laughs) Amen. As we pray to that every night before bed. (laughs) Oh boy. So there we go, Mitch. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, unless you had anything else for a social segment. I, I kind of had one,
3: uh, and oh, it wasn't necessarily to bring up a specific tweet. While it's going to be about a specific tweet, um, there was that that one that went out about uh, John Tavares reaching his full potential in Toronto, something along those lines oh. from a Ooh. from Toronto media. I don't want to bring up the tweet because my entire point of bringing this up is just let's not get riled up about these things. Like Arthur Stable had a good point about it. Like, let's not just let this get under a sin because there's going to be a lot of these. This is never going to stop. And if we give them the reaction by reacting angrily to it and retweeting it, being like, how stupid is this thing? And doing anything along those lines. Retweets are impressions. Replies are impressions. The more reaction and interaction they get, the more that it is seen and the more it's going around. So the best thing to do, I know it's hard, I know it's hard, is to just ignore it. Because the the more you get riled up about it, and the more you share it, and the more you interact with it, the further it goes. You don't want it to go around. You don't like seeing it. Don't interact with it.
2: You're a bigger man than I, Mitch, because I saw it and could not let that go by without quote tweeting it I, I i spent i had one ready
3: i had one ready and i almost sent it out and i was like nope and i credit arthur staple for this because he his his tweet when it came out it was like you're gonna see something stupid about john tavares he didn't say stupid but he said something along those lines um don't don't take the bait essentially and i was like i have to see it now i have to find out what it is damn you arthur staple but he's right he's he was absolutely right uh, and, and I'm glad he was able to put that out, at least for my sake, because I was able to react. What I feel was an appropriate reaction is just let it go. Uh, it bothered me, but, you know, it, it it took a few days to get it out of my system.
2: Well, I wish I could do that. I don't think and I again, can,
3: but <laughs> I'm going to try. My, my brother-in-law is a Leafs fan. I spent all weekend with him. So, and I, And I drove to Toronto. I was in Toronto over the weekend, and I heard it all weekend long. I could do it. Everyone can do it.
2: You're absolutely right. And I'm going to try that now in the future. I'm not going to I'm not going to do it. I say that now and then <laughs> it tomorrow someone's going to spout off something really dumb and I'll quote tweet it. Uh yeah. but I'm going to really try hard not to. There you go. All right. So let's get some plugs in before we get on out of here. Make sure to wherever you're listening Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps out a lot with our searchability, and it helps us create more content. We appreciate every single one of you guys listening each and every week, so thank you for that. As always, you could also follow us on social media, at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at T-L-O Mitch. You could like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. Be sure to download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, where you can get all of our content in one spot and get push notifications. You can also visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And like Mitch said already, be sure to subscribe to the Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you a post-game show for every single game. It gets you a mailbag show and so much more fun on the Patreon, and that is patreon.com slash eyesonisles. Mitch, that's going to do it for us for episode 71. It was a fun one.
3: It was a good one. Good old MDC edition. Next week, someone else, I think. I'm not sure if anyone's worn 72. Oh, come on. I I got lots of time to figure this out, all right?
2: Uh, Someone wore 72 last year, and they had to change their number.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, there you go. Done.
2: (laughs) That is a hit. (laughs) <laughs> so sit on that one for a week. We'll get back to you in 2019. This has been episode number 71. We'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.